John Stewart is back in the host chair at The Daily Show, which means he's also back in our ears on The Daily Show Ears Edition podcast. The Daily Show podcast has everything you need to stay on top of today's news and pop culture. You get hilarious satirical takes on entertainment, politics, sports, and more from John and the team of correspondents and contributors. The podcast also has content you can't get anywhere else, like extended interviews and a roundup of the weekly headlines. Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition, wherever you get your podcasts. Please have a seat, everybody. Thank you very much. Welcome, welcome one and all to The Late Show. I'm your host, Stephen Colbert. Every day, ladies and gentlemen... Every day we learn about a new batch of classified documents showing up where they shouldn't be. And today is yet another day. (laughs) But there's a surprise twist, and it brings me to a new installment of my ongoing segment, What's Up, Docs? Mike Pence edition. Mother says I may not awooga. Earlier today, uh, we found out the classified documents were found at Mike Pence's Indiana home. Wow! That is tough news for Mike Pence. And fantastic news for Joe Biden. <laughs> Take the heat off. Take a little bit of that. Unlike uh, Pence's former boss, Pence wasn't hoarding the documents. He says he took them home by accident, and they were found by one of his lawyers, who Pence asked to conduct the search of his home out of an abundance of caution. An abundance of caution is also why Mike Pence leaves the room when TV commercials come on. <laughs> Excuse me, it's that, it's that temptress flow from the progressive. With her low-cut apron, I shouldn't be able to see an unmarried woman's nameplate. I'll be back. We don't know a lot. Thank you. It's character work. I'm known for my character work. We don't know a lot about what's in these classified documents because, well, they're classified, but... We know the lawyer discovered about a dozen documents, which he has turned over to the FBI. So, evidently, everybody in U.S. government just has classified documents laying around their houses. (laughs) Who's next? Bernie Sanders? (laughs) The only people who see government secrets are my two closest advisors, Ben and Jerry. (laughs) In exchange... In exchange... Now, listen, they've given me top-level intel on how they get the chunky in the monkey. (laughs) They said I could have my own flavor. (laughs) They said I could have my own flavor of ice cream. They told me they couldn't make ice cream from soup. (laughs) Can't make ice cream soup. (laughs) What's up, Paul? What's going Pence's team said he accidentally took a few boxes home from the White House, and apparently those boxes were not in a secure area. Could have been very dangerous if foreign countries were surveilling him. But I don't know of any evidence Mike Pence has ever been bugged. Oh, my God! (laughs) Oh, no. When was that? Was that two years ago or five years? I don't know how long ago. So now, both Joe Biden and Mike Pence have been found to have material dating from the time that they were vice president. This never used to happen. 
Previous Veeps had methods to dispose of this kind of thing. Al Gore would immediately recycle documents, and Dick Cheney, of course, would shoot them in the face. Based on a true story. We forget. Shot a man in the face. Now, finding these documents in Pence's house isn't that bad if you never watched this interview with Mike Pence back in November. Let's watch it now. Let me ask you, as we sit here in your home office in, in Indiana, did you take any classified documents with you from the White House? Uh, I, I did not. Uh, do you see any reason for anyone to take classified documents with them leaving the White House? Well, there'd be no reason to have classified documents, particularly if they were in an unprotected area. Wow. Wow. I mean, to think Mike Pence's legacy could be tarnished by one stupid mistake. Well, two stupid mistakes. (laughs) I've... I see that one coming down. Down the street. That joke is coming down the street, baby. I've been talking about classified documents a lot lately, but not nearly as much as I've been talking about George Santos. And (laughs) we're not the only show that's been doing that. Since last Thursday, Santos has been impersonated by four different actors, including the great Harvey Guillen on our show. And you can see them all in the upcoming Marvel film, Into the Santosverse. Yeah. I did not see all of those performances. But you know who did? George Santos. (laughs) And he's got some notes tweeting, I have now been enshrined in late-night TV history with all these impersonations, but they are all terrible so far. These comedians need to step their game up. Okay, George, you asked for it. Time to break out my George Santos. Meh, <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> see, I'm George Santos, see, meh. I'm a volleyball champion of the world, see, meh. I blew out my knees, meh. I run this town, meh. Thank you. <clears throat> that was me doing De Niro doing George Santos. When it comes to Santos's lies, the hits keep on coming. There's a recently surfaced interview he did with a Portuguese language station in which he claims he was the target of an assassination attempt and that he received a threatening letter. And I'm being told that we actually have footage of the vandal writing that letter. This girl is the nastiest skank bitch I've ever met. Do not trust her. Wow, that's so mean. Kids can be so mean. That's terrible. Oh, here's a fun story. Uh, More January 6th idiots are going to jail because... Yeah. (laughs) Gotcha. I got you, baby. You can't get it by me. Because yesterday, four more members of the far-right Oath Keepers were convicted of sedition, and they could face up to 20 years in prison. Well, I mean... 
They should be happy. They tried to break into a government facility, and now they get to live in one. <laughs> also, is this also yesterday? This thing? Yesterday, Richard Bigo Barnett, the rioter who put his feet on Nancy Pelosi's desk, was convicted on all counts, including disorderly conduct in the Capitol while carrying a dangerous weapon. Specifically, the weapon was a walking stick that doubles as a stun gun called a hike-and-strike. That's right, the hike-and-strike from the makers of the Speedo Torpedo. <laughs> now, before the jury deliberated, Barnett took to the stand to explain why it wasn't that bad that he brought a stun weapon into the speaker's office, saying the hike-and-strike walking staff stun gun was an operable, possibly because he had dropped it in his hotel shower the night before. Now, before you call him a big dummy for bringing an electrocution stick into a place where he's naked and wet, <laughs> keep in mind, he was just trying to fish the toaster out of the toilet. <laughs> the Proud Boys... So that's the Oath Keepers? He's not Oath Keepers, but the Oath Keepers. I'll tell you who else is also on trial. The, the Proud Boys are also on trial for sedition, and it's revealing a lot about their inner workings. Yesterday, prosecutors presented a Proud Boy handbook, and it turns out Proud Boys have really strict rules about masturbating. <laughs> so, less of a handbook, more of a no-handbook. <laughs> Specifically... <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Specifically, the rules say a proud boy may not ejaculate alone more often than once every 30 days. So once a month, they're, they're basically werewolves. And when the moon is waxing, uh, they can't do it just anywhere. The actual rules say if a proud boy needs to ejaculate, it must be within one yard of a woman. So, gals, if you see a proud boy with a tape measure, get out of there. The... <laughs> the document also outlines protocol for Proud Boy meetings where members are supposed to raise a glass and give toasts, like, to the entrepreneurs, to guns, and to the housewives. Yes, to the housewives, to Teresa and Nini and Countess Luann, to the Lisas, Rena and Barlow, to your terrible decisions and your continued willingness to do them on TV, I say bravo. <laughs> Sweet. Now, maybe the dumbest part of the Proud Boys is their dumb name, which comes from something even dumber. Proud of Your Boy, a song from the stage musical version of Aladdin. <laughs> According to the handbook, it is healthy to sing our anthem at least once a night. Yes, to promote healthy masculine vigor. You must sing their alpha song anthem that sets testosterone ablaze. Let her rip, Jim. There's no good reason that you should believe me, not yet. I know. Original Broadway cast recordings. 
our patriarchal neo-fascism just wants to be part of your world. We got a great show for you tonight. More Late Show Poncho after this. Hey everyone, it's David Duchovny. Do you ever feel like a failure? Trust me, I get it. Hell, I've spent my whole life almost feeling like a failure. It's appropriate, though, because on Fail Better, my new podcast with Lemonada Media, exploring the world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives is the whole point. Each week, I'll chat with artists, athletes, actors, and experts about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, I hope we can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out on May 7th, wherever you get your podcasts. Folks, uh, there's news from the world of candy, the only part of trail mix I actually eat. <laughs> you might remember uh, last year when M&M's redesigned their female green spokes candy, changing her go-go boots to sensible sneakers. And Fox News host Tucker Carlson was outraged about no longer being turned on. M&M's will not be satisfied until every last cartoon character is deeply unappealing and totally androgynous. Until the moment you wouldn't want to have a drink with any one of them. <laughs> Nothing weird about that. Who hasn't thought about taking their candy out for drinks and then, if things go right, maybe a little action over the peanut under the candy shell? <laughs> and that was just his take on the footwear. When the newest Spokes candy debuted, he described it as a plus-sized, obese purple M&M. First of all, she's not obese. She is with nut. <laughs> okay? Show some respect. <laughs> Recently... In honor of International Women's Day, M&M's launched a new limited edition pack that includes only purple, brown, and green, the candy's trio of female characters who are upside down on the package to celebrate women everywhere who are flipping the status quo. Now, to some, some people like that. Some people like that a lot. To others, this kind of performative corporate feminism might seem shallow and condescending, but still others seem to think it's the end of the world. Specifically, Fox News, who freaked out about M&M's getting too woke. Just wait till they find out one of the ingredients is critical race theory. <laughs> and it's true. That's true. Wow. It's right below carnubowax. Following all this controversy yesterday, M&M's released a statement saying that they've decided to take an indefinite pause from the spokes candies. Now... I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, great, now where will I get my fix of anthropomorphic candy orbs with slightly different personality traits? Well, don't you worry, because another candy company is now wading into this cultural minefield. Jim? Susan B. Anthony, Frida Kahlo, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Mike and Ike? That's right. The candy you settle for when they're out of Skittles got progressive as hell. Mike and Ike now have our own female candies. Meet Sheila and Doreen. Ah! That's right. We're here. Deal with it. 
I taste like tropical fruit, but I also run a successful landscaping company in Akron, Ohio. And I'm not just brown, I'm a tenured professor at Brown. We're sick of lady candies being two-dimensional. It's always the smart one, the sexy one, the shy one. Yeah, we're complex. I hit a deer once in college. At least I think it was a deer. I didn't look back. Oh God, I didn't look back. That's right, we made Sheila and Doreen uncomfortably complicated. Um, feminism much? She's recently widowed and I'm casually sleeping with two Twizzlers. I'm also a mom. Guess where the baby came out of? I only have one hole. Everyone knows Mike and Ike's are a combo of fruity and chewy, making them fruit chewy. But we're changing the flavor status quo. I'm kiwi. And I'm beef. And together we're queefy. That's not good. We probably should have read that out loud first. But if you're concerned they're too woke, don't worry, because we also decided Don't you dare give us boobs. To give them boobs. No, no, why? So when you want high fructose corn syrup that's been gendered female to seem vaguely empowering but is still weirdly sexualized, reach for a box of Sheila and Doreen's. Queefy! Queefy! Available wherever Mike and Ike's are found, so probably in an abandoned gas station. Queefy. We'll be right back with Jason Siegel. I'm Rachel Martin. After hosting Morning Edition for years, I know that the news can wear you down. So we made a new podcast called Wild Card, where a special deck of cards and a whole bunch of fascinating guests help us sort out what makes life meaningful. It's part game show, part existential deep dive, and it is seriously fun. Join me on Wildcard wherever you get your podcasts. Only from NPR. Welcome back to the Ed Sullivan, everybody. Ladies and gentlemen, you know my first guest this evening from Forgetting Sarah Marshall, How I Met Your Mother, and Dispatches from Elsewhere. He's now one of the creators, writers, and stars of the new series, Shrinking. Please welcome back to The Late Show, Jason Siegel. Hi. Every time, every time I've, I've interviewed you, and I always enjoy, it's always a fun interview talking we to you. We have a really nice time together. I always forget what a large man you are. Yeah, I'm a big dude. Yeah, you're like, you're kind of got a rangy. You could, you ever played a cowboy? No, but I've been, oh, once someone said to me, a, a pretty famous director said to me in a thick Irish accent, you have what John Wayne had. You only have 1% of it, but you've got it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. It's been two years since I spoke to you. Last, yeah. two, last time During it was the on... Uh, yeah, this fourth interview, but the uh, last time was on Zoom. This is, yes. much, this is much nicer. And you talked a lot at the time about your solitary walks. You went on a lot of solitary walks. Long, long walks, yes. yes. And did you spend a lot of the, a lot of the pandemic alone? Uh, <laughs> I did, yeah. I had, a, I had a breakup right before the pandemic, which was very, very sad. And, uh, yeah, oh, wow. oh, it's okay, it's okay. We made it through, made it through. Uh, and... Uh, Right, right before we went into lockdown, a local ice cream shop opened in my town. So I went in kind of sad, like 9.30 p.m. right before closing. Like visibly heartbroken kind of person. I mean, I was a grown man alone at 9.30 buying ice cream. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. And there was, a, there was like a really kind-faced, like attractive uh, woman who was serving ice cream, and she said really nice stuff to me about like, how I met your mother, and I love these movies, and got me through a tough time. 
And then she gave me my ice cream on a cone. And then she said, uh, never forget the joy you bring to the world. And yeah. Wow. Yeah. And so I, so I went That's home. That's like an instant connection. Yeah, yeah. I really, I really felt it. it was like a, a rom-com, you know, yeah. with Tom Hanks or something. And so then <laughs> I went home, and then we went into lockdown. But sure. they stayed open delivering. And so every once in a while, when I needed that feeling of connection, I would order the ice cream. And it would arrive in a bag. And the first time it arrived, she had handwritten on the bag, never forget the joy you bring to the world. I'm like, oh, wow. I, I started to see my new life with, with this wonderful with person. Ice cream lady, yeah. yeah. So then we came out of lockdown. And uh, I went to go kind of make good on this meat cute. And uh, as I'm walking up, I see someone coming out of the store with a bag of ice cream. And on the bag, it said, never forget the joy you bring to the world. <laughs> and it turns out, it's just their slogan. <laughs> oh, oh. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, man. I, I just wanted, I got myself a lovely, a lovely sandwich, and the girl behind the counter said, I have the meats. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That we, was she said we, that but it meant that between the two of us, That's between right. the two of us, we had the meats. Yeah. Okay. Well, every, everybody w wants to feel like they're making a connection, you yes. know, regardless of whether they are. The the new this new series, Shrinking, yes. is is about is about uh, people trying to make connections. You you play a psychologist in yeah, this. Yeah. I okay. think interestingly enough, like we all came out of the past two years, whether or not we specifically lost somebody or just this feeling of lost time. We're all grieving something that we know we're not gonna get back. My character in the show is grieving the loss of a wife. And it's basically a character who's in the midst of his own nervous breakdown, but continuing to practice therapy. So none of these patients know that their therapist is himself, like, not doing so hot. Wow. And we, we have a scene here coming up. Can sure. you explain what's going on here? Yes, this is right after I have uh, kind of snapped in, in a therapy session and just started doing my new technique, he can't take it anymore. He's just going to tell his patients what to do. Like, here's what you're going to do, and you're going to do it now, and don't come back until you've done it. And so now, it's normally kind of non-directional, kind of like, let's follow yeah, that feeling. How do of, you feel about it? But exactly. this guy can't do it anymore. He wants people out of their ruts. I've just done it. I know I've crossed some lines, and now I go tell my boss, who is uh, maybe the coolest man of all time. Jim. Hey. Hey, kid. How are you doing? I'm normal, you know. It's a normal day, normal day. Doing it, doing it normal style. Hey, you know what I was thinking, Paul? Is it about how you're just doing it normal style? What, what are you thinking? You guys ever get so mad at your patients that all of a sudden you just, well, shake them? Well, we don't shake them. No, I know, I know, I, I, I'm rooting for them. I am, I'm like, come on, you up person. You can change, and then, never do. Compassion fatigue. We all hit those walls. Yeah. You ask questions, you listen, you stay non-judgmental, and you don't make that face. Sorry. That's cool. gotta be fun. Yeah. We have to take a quick break, but when we come back, I will ask Jason what he was like as a child. Oh. Stick around.
Calling all benders and non-benders alike. Jump into the epic world of Avatar with your favorite podcast, Avatar, Braving the Elements. Hosted by me, Janet Varney, the voice of Korra on The Legend of Korra. And me, Dante Bosco, the voice of Zuko on The Last Airbender and General Iroh on The Legend of Korra. Each week we'll recap and discuss another episode of The Last Airbender. I don't know if we've ever talked about it, but... Amazing guests stop by from creators to cast to super fans to chat all things Avatarverse. Are we saying that this is possible in the Avatar universe? Varney, we gotta spread the word. Now fans can also check out our weekly video pods too by subscribing to the official Avatar YouTube channel. That's a lot of fire, isn't it? That's right, we're on video this season, everybody. So whether you're a super fan with encyclopedic knowledge or you're brand new to this incredible world, it's Fire Nation time, Book of Fire. Let's go. Listen to Avatar Brave the Elements wherever you get your podcasts. It's the star of Shrinking, the man everybody loves, Jason Siegel. <laughs> you're, you, you're your co-creator, a writer, and a star. And do you like, did you call Harrison Ford and say, hey, do you want to do this? No. What happens is there did, is... Did you know him before this? Uh, I did not know Harrison Ford at yes, all. Yes. Um, I knew he did acting. Yes. Uh, but no, you make an offer to Harrison Ford thinking that you get to say there's an offer out to Harrison Ford for a week, and yeah. then you'll offer it to the real person. Exactly. And then Harrison Ford said yes. Ah. And then you're like, Harrison Ford's going to show up? And then you scramble to be okay and to not freak out when he shows up. Because it's you freak out a little, freak out a little bit. I mean, he's Indiana Jones. He's he's Han Solo. Yeah. And I'm just curious whether headlines like this then hurt your feelings when you read them. Because uh, here's one. It says Harrison Ford had no idea who Jason Siegel was before <laughs> signing on to Shrinking. January 17th. Did you? Am I showing you this for the first time? You are. Yes. Uh, I'm not. You know what? <laughs> I didn't know who he was either. You, um... <laughs> no, um... Did you... Was it, was it intimidating to work with him? It was. He was very, very kind. I mean, he's obviously an idol of mine, you know? And so one of the sure. things he does when he arrives is he kind of busts through the awe and treats you like, um, <laughs> like a peer. And he was, just, like, really generous in that regard. That said, I, I like, desperately want his approval, you know? Like, yeah, real, yeah. real, yeah, real, yeah. real bad. Yeah, yeah, sure. So, uh... I, I do this thing because I realize you change into wardrobe pretty fast when you're making something. And I was, like, wasting a lot of time picking out outfits, you know? Yeah. Because I like to look good. Uh, and so I decided I was going to start wearing jumpsuits to work. <laughs> you know, like a real tradesman. And, uh... Like, like, a, like what a mechanic would sure, wear. Sure, yeah, kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. But I was, I was kind of uh, chicken about it. So I decided I would get there 30 minutes before work so no one would see me. Uh, in to, your jumpsuit, because you didn't, want, people, day, you didn't want anybody to see you in a jumpsuit. I gotta get used to it. I gotta get used to it. And so I showed up, and Harrison Ford was waiting outside my trailer to run lines. Wow. Yeah. And so I get out of my car. I'm like, it was like in Sarah Marshall when I said, I wish I wasn't wearing this effing shirt. That's how I felt in this jumpsuit. And uh, and he's talking to me. Yeah, well, I was, I was here to run some lines if you're up for it. And he kept eyeballing my jumpsuit. I saw it. <laughs> Yeah, I sure. saw it happening. Sure, sure. He was just, like, side-eyeing me. And then I said, are you uh, looking at my jumpsuit, Harrison? He said, I sure am, kid. And then uh, I felt really embarrassed. Like, I had been a little, uh, you know, emasculated or something by Harrison Ford. And uh, then the next day, I showed up for rehearsal, and this happened. Is that what this is? Yeah. 
not only not only a jumpsuit, but a hot pink jumpsuit. Yeah, that's right. He went and got a hot pink jumpsuit and was like, I'm with you, man. You and me, we're in this together. Yeah. So now we're best friends. He looks, by the way, he looks fantastic. He looks so good. He looks so good. <laughs> um, uh, people um, in this show say to your character that, uh, that your character has a sad face. Sure. That's a sad face. You have something of a sad face. Of a sad face. I, Not know, a depressed face, just kind of like a little, just a little. You know what I am? I'm magical melancholy. Magical because it makes people want to take care of you? Uh, yeah, and like I still have childlike wonder. I see the world as like full of magic. But you're melancholy about it. A little bit it. sad about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Since you were a child, you, you've had a little bit of this sad face, I understand. Well, I wondered. I wondered. I'm like... You wondered if you had the sad face? I, I, yeah, I'm like... Well, I wondered, like, I said to my mom once, I said, Mom, I got a question. I'm a little melancholy. Was I always like this, or did something happen that, like, I don't remember? And she said, no, 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 Jason, you were always like this. Let me show you this note you wrote me once. And this is, I love this so much. So you might have to read, what's that first word? Now. Now. Okay, I'll read it. It says, now <laughs> I know that no one likes me. Hate, Hate Jason. Jason. I signed off strong. Hate Jason. <laughs> wow, do you remember this moment? I have no recollection of that moment. <laughs> but the, this is like the most tame of them. They, she sent me a bunch of notes. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was very, I became a writer. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> How are you? Are you I'm okay? Great. I'm great. Everybody. <laughs> I think pretty much everybody likes you, Jason. Yeah, they do, they do, yeah, yeah. You know that now. Yeah, yeah. Shrinking <laughs> premieres this Friday on Apple TV+. Thank you for listening to The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert. Just one more thing. If you want to see more of me, come to The Late Show YouTube channel for more clips and exclusives. Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance, avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown, new season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount Plus.